Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Alright, well we're going to be back in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 3. Remember the book of Romans is about the righteousness that comes from God. That we have no righteousness on our own. Isaiah said all of our righteousnesses is filthy rags and he was talking about that they weren't worth anything that was some filthy stuff that you you put on dirty nasty wounds and he said that's the way our righteousness is in chapter one he he tells us who paul is and his mission and then he begins to tell us that everyone out in the jungle and everywhere else is condemned by God because why they reject the God that they do know right and they they worship the creature rather than the creator then he gets to chapter two and he begins talking to the moral man and then he kind of zooms in on the 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 Jew who is guilty too and then he talks about in the end about how his circumcision is of no avail the Jews thought because of their religious rituals and a lot of us today, a lot of churches, a lot of people say today, if you're, the way you get to heaven is doing this or doing that. I was listening to the guy this morning. He says, who could be right? He was preaching on who could be right with God. Basically, the Bible says only the ones who trust in Jesus Christ. When we come with no righteousness of our own and ask God to forgive us and save us, but so many churches today teach that you got to do something. He said there's two kinds of religions. There's do and there's done. The, the do religion says i got to do something to please God to get into heaven. Done, Jesus said when he died on the cross. He said it's done. It's finished. It's complete. And now it's up to us believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Trust in him and believe in him. But the hard part is it's because of our nature our prideful nature we don't want to give up our pride and we always want to say we did something to get into heaven you know and the guy was preaching on about the tax collector and the, and the pharisee you know the pharisee says oh god you know thank god i'm not like other people and patting himself he said he prayed to himself he wasn't even praying to god he prayed to himself and he said i thank god i'm not like other people i tithe i fast i do this i don't do that and then it says the tax collector, he wouldn't even look up to God. He said, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says he went away cleansed before God, righteous before God, justified and holy in the eyes of God because he knew he had no righteousness of his own. So last week we looked at the first four verses and talking about what advantage then has the Jew or what profit of circumcision. And we talked about much in every way because they were committed to them were committed to oracles of God. We could just translate that. The scriptures of God. They were given all the words of God in the Old Testament. They were responsible for keeping it. They were the, the keepers of the law. They, were the, they had so many benefits. And then he says, what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? And he says, may it never be so. The strongest words you can use, meganoito. May it never be so. And Paul uses that a lot. Remember in this, this section and a lot of the book of Romans, what does he do? He pretends he's got these imaginary hecklers 
out in the crowd and they're asking these imaginary questions and and they're not imaginary because Paul's heard them all. He's heard what the people are saying about him. He's heard what the people are saying about Christianity. And he he knows what the questions are, but it's a method called diatribe. And what he does is he he comes in and and knows what these questions are, so he he asks the question and then he answers the question. It's a method of legal defense. He says, certainly not, indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, that you may be justified in your words and that you may overcome when you are judged. Basically, what does he say there? Last thing he says is if God did not, was not able to judge, guess what? He wouldn't be righteous, right? I mean, a judge has to be righteous. I mean, you know, human judges, they do what? Sometimes they, they, they just do whatever they want to do or they, they, they use their opinions or their brains or if somebody's got to them, maybe they do what the majority wants them to do uh, like a lot of them are doing today. But guess what? That's not the way it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be right and they're supposed to be wrong. And a just judge is going to condemn those who are guilty even though it's not really happening too much today. Seems like the people that do are in the good are the ones that are getting locked up and the people that are doing wrong, they keep getting out and getting out, right? He says in verse 5 is where we want to be today in Romans chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. And we'll see if we get a little bit further than that. We'll probably get a little bit further than that. So he says, but if our righteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man, certainly not, for then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my life to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not let us say, when why not say let us do evil that good may come as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just? Let's stop right there. So we've talked about a couple of these objections first is what good is it if if being a jew then and then is god unjust if if he if people aren't faithful for him to do what's right so the third objection is if our unrighteousness shows the righteousness of god this then isn't it unjust for god to punish our sins what is he saying here he says Basically, that when we are unjust, I guess because of God's grace, that people say, well, let us do more. And he'll talk about that in Romans 6. He says, let us sin that grace may abound. And he say, may it never be so. And so the bottom line is, is that, that God is righteous, but even though we're unrighteous, he doesn't want us to do more unrighteousness so that he looks better. I mean, what do we talk about? We talk about sometimes that they put a diamond, a beautiful diamond against a black cloth to make it look even more beautiful, right? And our unrighteousness, the worse it is, really shows off the grace of God. But, but we're not to continue doing more evil so that God will look more righteous is what he's saying. Jude, chap, Jude 4 says, not Jude chapter 4, but Jude 4 says, For certain men have crept in 
unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He said ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus. So what is he saying here? We, we are to not to sin more so that God looks better. That's not, that's not the point here. And then what does Paul say? He says, I speak as a man. He, he says, I speak as a man. And so what is he saying? I speak as a man. He's saying that this unbiblical train of thought comes from corrupt minds or unregenerate man, people who aren't saved. Basically, if God condoned sin, he wouldn't have a right and just fair way of judging all men, would he? And God's character is perfectly holy. I mean, he says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, and in him is light. And that word light means holiness. And he says he is holy. And in him there is no darkness at all. There is no sin at all. He is perfectly holy. He is perfectly just. And so what is he saying here? That God is in no way unrighteous when he does what? When he inflicts wrath, right? I mean, God is a holy God. I think about it this way. I tell people often that, that if God created us, and he did, and I guess I'm using one of those first class conditional imps, since God created us, then he has the right to tell us what to do and what not to do, right? People say, well, were you telling me this and you telling me that? I said, look, if you got a problem, it's not with me, it's with God, because God wrote the word of God, and God's the one. Somebody told me one time, said, well, you know, you always doing this, and it's Marty's way or the highway. I said, it ain't Marty's way or the highway, it's God's way or the highway. I said, I just try to teach what the Bible says. And the Bible says it like this. We have a choice. Are we going to listen to God? Are we going to do what God wants us? Are we going to do what we want to do? And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And then Genesis 18 verse 25 says, Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And I believe that was Lot as he was uh, speaking to God about that. And there would be a just people here. If there's only so many, are you going to slay everybody? That's the third objection. Is it unjust for God to punish our sin if our unrighteousness shows the righteousness of God? And here's the fourth objection. Let's look in chapter 3, verse 7. What does he say? For if the truth of God has increased through my life to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? That's verse 7 and 8. So what is going on here? Uh, really, there's still this hypothetical argument as come out in verse three, chapter three, verse five, but it's a little bit different, but it's with a greater emphasis now. But what is he saying? He says that if my righteous unrighteousness has increased through my life to his glory, why am I still judged? So he's he's pinning it down a little bit more. What is God saying? He's saying that no matter how unrighteous we are, if we continue living that way, it's not right in the eyes of God. 
That's the old argument that uh, people say, once saved, always saved, and it doesn't matter how you live. I, I like to call it the perseverance of the saints because once saved, always saved has kind of gotten a, a bad reputation <laughs> because what people will say is, well, if you believed in once saved, always saved, then what, what are you saying? You're saying that, that you can be saved and live any way you want to. But that is not what our Bible says. Our Bible says we're saved by grace through faith and it does matter how we live. I mean, the whole book of 1 John is a bunch of tests that tell us, you know, if we're truly saved, we're going to purify ourselves. We're going to love the brethren. We're going to grow. We're going to obey God. We're going to believe that Jesus is Christ and he came in the flesh. And we're going to have faith that overcomes the world and we're going to have prayers that are answered. All these things are in that book. By no means does it say that, that we're getting away with stuff. I was trying to look see what I had here. I had Luke 747 written down. Remember the story about the woman that came in and she's, she comes in and she breaks the alabaster jar over his head and then she, and he wiped and she wiped them with the hair of her head. And he tells Simon, he says, Simon's over there going, if you knew what kind of woman that was that was over there washing your feet with her tears, you wouldn't let her touch you. And he's sitting there thinking that. And, and Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he says, say on, Master. And he says, since I walked in here, she's not ceased to kiss my feet and to wash my feet with her tears. You gave me no kiss and you hadn't offered to wash my feet. And he says in verse 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. So he forgives the woman, but he's, what does he say? The people that have been forgiven much love more because they realize that their sin is an offense to God, right? And because of that, I mean, he uses that example with the debtors. You know, somebody owed $10,000 or somebody owed $10 million and their debt was forgiven. Who's going to love the most? Who's going to be the most thankful? The one that was forgiven $10 million, right? Charles Hodge says, according to this reasoning, says Paul, the the worse we are, the better. For the more wicked we are, the more clearly will be the mercy of God be shown in our pardon. So God is not saying that he wants us to be wicked to pardon us. But it doesn't matter how wicked we have been. He will pardon us if we ask for salvation and ask to be forgiven because he can forgive a few sins and he can forgive a lot, right? It doesn't matter. What does he say here the next verse here in verse 8? He says, And why not say, Let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. So what are the people doing? They're going around and telling other people that Paul is teaching this doctrine that, hey, let us go sin that grace may abound. But Paul's saying, you know, we're, we're, we're being slanderously reported that this is going on. That Paul never taught that. Paul never taught anything like that. And what does he say? He says that the people who say that their condemnation is just people that do that i guess he says in hebrews 2 2 he says for the words spoken through the angels prove steadfast and every transgression and disobedience 
received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And this really is theologically is called antinomianism. And some people came up with this a long time ago that, that basically what they say is if we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, totally apart from works, then why does it matter if we live a righteous life or not? Isn't it good that we, since we sin, God will be given even greater glory as our Savior? The Bible says that we won't live that way, right? 1 John 4, 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, right? And to keep it under commandments, the first ten commandments is what? It's basically love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbor as herself, right? So let's talk about a couple of lessons here. He says, but Paul says your sin is not justifiable in any way, and God who is righteous and holy will judge it. So the first lesson we want to talk about is God is faithful to his promises, but he never promises to pardon those who won't repent. God is always faithful to his promises, but he never promises to pardon those who will not repent. God wants to pardon us, but we have to come to him, right? The Bible says repent, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized for your sins and God will forgive you, right? And the second thing we are to realize is Christians, we have these certain responsibilities as a Christian country and as members of the Christian church and as possessors of the word of God. We have these certain advantages to which we're going to be held to a stricter account. We were talking about this the other day. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required, right? He says, you know, if you can't be faithful with the little things, I can't give you the big things. And so think about this, that God wants to trust us with a lot of stuff. And the Bible even tells us, you know, about being teachers. He says there'll be a stricter judgment on teachers. And so we need to realize that God has, that he's given us certain responsibilities, but we have to live up to those responsibilities, right? And when we look at people's lives and they say that they're believers, but they tend to justify themselves and they tend to do their own thing and they tend to live however they want to and say, well, it's okay, God will forgive me. I remember talking to several people and and people say, well, I'm going to get into heaven, but I'm going to get in by the skin of my teeth, right? I do this and I do that, but that's okay. God understands. God's going to forgive me and God's going to... That's basically just justifying your sin, right? But that isn't what God wants us to do if if we're really truly saved. The Bible says that we will hate sin. Yeah, we will still do it because we're in this human body. Paul says, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, those I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do them. I always get that backwards. But the bottom line is, when we trust Christ... He changes us from the inside and he gives us a new want to, to do the things of God. And anybody that doesn't have that desire and that want to, I think in the eyes of God, what they're really doing is proving in the eyes of God and in the eyes of people. Isn't that what James does in chapter 3, I think it is, or chapter 2, he says, you know, if a man says he has faith, 
but he has not works, his faith is what? Dead. And that's what God wants out of us is he, he wants us to show by our faith. We don't work to be saved because we're saved by grace. That's given us what we don't deserve by faith. It is the gift of God, not a works list anyone should boast. But the Bible says we are God's workmanship created to do good works. Because people don't ever read that next verse in Ephesians 3.10. He says we are God's workmanship created to do good works. And if we're saved, then we will do good works. We don't work to get saved, but once we get saved, we will begin to do good works because that's the way God's created us. And we don't do them because we have to, but we do them because we want to, right? I mean, when people tell you not, that you don't to do something that you don't want to do, what do you do? You fight and fuss and whatever, right? And that's the way we were before, at least I was anyway, before I knew Christ. People told me what to do, I'd tell them where to get off. But, you know, now that I've trusted Christ, I want to do the right thing. I want to please God. And sometimes I still kind of that rebellious nature, the old sin nature, makes me think, well, you know, I'm not, I don't want to do that. But then I realize in the eyes of God I have to do it because, and I really want to do it. But the first thing is I kind of want to bow up at the beginning because that's just that old sin nature. But if we truly know God, we're going to do what's right. And so that's kind of what's going on here today, that God's not going to clear the guilty. He's, he's going to judge the world. And we need to make sure that we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let's pray and let's close. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you again for your grace and your mercy and love. We thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And we ask if there's one here today that has never trusted you today, they would just cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me because of what you did on that cross. And you said, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. Father, we have to repent. We have to be sorry for our sins. We have to realize we're sinners. And we have to ask for that forgiveness. But you said once we ask that you'll give it to us if we truly mean it and truly believe it. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry 
to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.